The fisher folk regarded the tall, slim bachelor with his tripod cameras with deference that was reserved for the gentry, mixed with an amused tolerance for the eccentric. In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and future. I'm Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums. Today's object is a photograph which serves as a snapshot not just of the fishing community on Sunderland Point, but of the life of the photographer himself. Today's object is a photograph taken in the 1890s by John Walker. The photograph we're looking at today exists in the museum collections as a glass plate negative. Negatives are small plates of glass which have been treated with photosensitive chemicals to allow them to capture a photograph. From the negative, the photographer, and now we, can create prints and digital versions of the image. The image shows members of the community from Sunderland Point. It was taken on the terrace street which faces the Riverloon estuary, the other side of which can be seen in the distance. Since the area looks similar today, we can place the spot at the end of First Terrace. A group of people stand and pose for the photograph, most of them looking directly at the camera. In the foreground there are three men and five children, while another man, a woman and a baby can be seen in the background. The men shown are all wearing clothes typical of late Victorian working people. Three of them sport beards and two are smoking pipes. The children are mostly dressed in white aprons, sturdy shoes and caps or hats. This is just one of over a thousand images in the collection which were taken by a photographer called John Walker, who was both an observer of and a member of the community at Sunderland Point. We spoke to Bill Morris, editor of the Sunderland Point website which can be found at sunderlandpoint.net and an admirer of Walker's photographs to find out more about the man who took so many beautiful images of the area and how those images found their way to the museum. It's a great story that starts sometime in the early 1980s at an auction sale in Lancaster. Ed Tyson, a local antiquarian bookseller, he's there in attendance looking through the lot, maybe searching for some unusual books, and he spots several dusty boxes of old photographic plates, takes a closer look and finds that maybe they're very old, perhaps such as a century, and of local interest. He buys them and sometime later, after a closer look, realises their great significance and offers them to the museum in Lancaster for proper historical study. By good fortune, this coincides with the 1985 opening of the Lancaster Maritime Museum, which uses a number of the Glazendock and Sunderland Point images in their opening exhibition. The resulting publicity brings wide attention to this hugely important collection of photographs. John is believed to have used a Sanderson dry half-plate camera and years after his death his plates lay neatly catalogued, his developing and printing chemicals scrupulously labelled. He appears to have been very competent, keeping well abreast of all the latest developments of the time. He used the first type of flash bulbs. He mixed all his own chemicals for developing and printing. He also used a Delmeyer telephoto lens, which is extremely unusual and rare, identified as being only in the second year of manufacture. John also recorded the gold rush development of Hesham Harbour in 1896. His pictures show the Klondike Hotel, a pub hastily put together by Lancashire Brewers Mitchells to accommodate the workforce during the harbour building 
and another shack-like building emblazoned Klondike Bakery. Sadly, his original filing index of his entire collection of plates has been lost. They were saved from destruction, though, by John's nephew, Roy Redmond, who had taken ownership of the house with his sister. The house was within the family from sometime in the 1850s right the way through to the 1960s. And after John had died, it passed to the children of the Reverend George Ormond Redmond, who had married his sister Emma in 1891. In the early 1980s, when Roy Redmond died, his estate and effects were sold and the Walker photographic plates went to the sale room where Ad Tyson had gone to buy books. The National Maritime Museum in London also expressed an interest in studying the plates relevant to Glasendog as an important record of shipping traffic in the 1890s and of Sunderland Point, a way of life long disappeared. The plates were purchased from Ed Tyson for the collections of Lancaster City Museums later in the 1980s. Although well listed and stored, they were not fully added to the museum collections and catalogues meaning that not many people knew of their existence in the museum, and they were not readily accessible to researchers. There's been a recent revival of interest in these remarkable photographs, and they're being added to the searchable museum catalogue. Although conservation negatives were taken in the 1980s, they're now being systematically digitised to make high-resolution digital copies. So what do we know about the photographer himself, John Walker? The hero of our story is John himself, and he was the eldest child of John and Alice Walker, living in Lancaster on St Leonard's Gate. His parents, John and Alice, they were married in 1855. Now, there's a large gap in their ages, 34 years. John was much older and was aged 62 and Alice 28. John himself was born in 1859 and was swiftly followed in rapid and rather alarming succession by four daughters, Uh, Fanny, born in 1862, Emma in 1863, Dora in 1865, and finally Anne Jane in 1868. John's father died in 1880. John himself was 21. In the census of 1881, John records himself as a solicitor, and we know that was at Hall and Marshall and Lancaster, and he's still living at Leonard's Gate with his mother and sisters. Looking over the period 1891 to 1901, uh, John continues to record himself as a working solicitor. Probably in 1892, they moved from St. Leonard's Gate to Aldcliffe Road in Lancaster to number 12. In John's collection of plates, we find he took a number of splendid photographs of the expensive, elegant interiors of the new house and of the new houses being built nearby. By now, uh, sisters Dora and Emma have both married, leaving behind John, his widowed mother Alice, and the other two sisters, the oldest and the youngest, Anne Jane. And Anne Jane, by this time, is known within family and friends as Ginny. At some time after 1901, they moved permanently from Aldcliffe Road to their summer house at Sunderland Point. The house at Sunderland Point is today known as Number 7 First Terrace. It was originally bought by John's uncle, Christopher, sometime in the 1850s and then called Marine Villa. The property had been three smaller houses but had been converted into a single large comfortable and very handsome property. As there was a large flagpole on the quay opposite, the house was also known as Flagstaff. Now like his nephew, Christopher was also a solicitor and he was practising in Preston and used the house as a summer retreat. Around the time Christopher died in 1878, it was bought by John's father for £250. 
Now we have John Walker, already very keenly into photography, living permanently at Sunderland Point. And it's his photographs of this area and similar fishing and shipping communities nearby that he's best known for locally. We asked Bill to tell us a little bit more about this period in his life and his photography. Being at Sunderland Point, after it's bought by his father, we see a lot of Sunderland Point in his photographs. He continues taking them for the next 30 years or so, not only of Sunderland Point, but of other places he visited, sometimes with the family. As well as Blazendock, he took his camera to London, the Isle of Man, to Scotland and to Pleasanton, Darwin and Blackburn. He recorded local events. There are shots of a circus arriving in Lancaster and he's visited places like Halton and Nether Kellett for local rural snaps. There are several splendid photographs showing Sunderland Point covered in a thick blanket of snow. As well as photographs of places, there are a number of carefully arranged family portraits, and although quite formal, with Mother, Fanny and Ginny unsmiling, there remains an underlying affection. One Bobby Dazzler family photograph includes a young nephew and niece who are clearly glaring daggers at each other. There are other photographs where local people, such as the fisher folk of Sunderland Point, are the main subjects, most notably in our chosen photograph. We think that the death of John's mother Alice at Sunderland Point in 1906, and she was 79, seems to have been a key event. What we have from eyewitness accounts and what people remember is that he was very devoted to his mother and her to him and between the sisters. And from that time onwards, he seems to have become more introverted and a more reclusive figure. We see he stops working. In the census of 1911, he records himself as a non-practicing solicitor. And in the census of 1921, now he's 62, as a retired solicitor. It's been said that John stopped taking photographs after 1906, after his mother's death. But that's not true. We find them dated up to 1913, but they certainly are a lot less frequent. Let's turn now to the photograph that we've chosen to look at more closely. John Walker knew many of the residents of Sunderland Point, and Bill has been able to identify some of the people that we can see here. This is a photograph clearly of Sunderland Point, and it's a group of the Fisher folk here. We know a little bit about it because someone in the village had had a copy of it and had scribbled the names of a couple of the people who they thought were in the photograph. Now we've examined it, we're not sure that that's correct. And we've managed to look at a number of other older photographs to double check some of the people that these might be. The man in the centre is Luke Gardner. He is a fisherman and a pilot who lived most of his life on Sunderland Point. And the man on the immediate right-hand side is James Spencer. And he was known as Rising Sun because of his ruddy complexion and had something of a temper. But of the others... Well, we were in correspondence with a woman who lives in Australia and that she had given us information about her family. In this photograph was her grandmother, Maud, together with a number of their children. So we can now say with some certainty that the man we see on the left, the first man, is James Gardner. And the next man to him is Tom Spencer, who is James Spencer's son. The man in the middle is Luke Gardner. But the woman we see behind Tom Spencer is James Gardner's wife. 
and this is Elizabeth, and she was known as Betty, and she's holding baby William. So from having a photograph where we knew absolutely nobody, we now can identify pretty much everyone. And we can also date it to 1894. And we know that because of the birth date of William. And we know that in November of 1894, that James Gardner died at sea, probably of a burst appendix. And he left behind seven children and Elizabeth was pregnant at the time. John Walker helped memorialise the people of Sunderland Point but many of them also remembered him, and we have a few memories that have survived to this day. In Hugh Cunliffe's History of Sunderland Point, he writes, I have a vague memory of him being dressed in an Edwardian type of suit with narrow trousers, and he had a thick moustache. He was sometimes irreverently referred to as umbrella legs. John Walker lived up to his name and went long walks. He won my approval because he would sometimes give me a toy boat, which he'd found washed up on the shore. I never found any. My remembrance of the sisters is also vague. I seem to think they were old-fashioned and wore dresses down to the ground, or almost. Now, when the plates were discovered and went into the exhibition in 1985, it got a lot of coverage in local media, and there's a bit more insight into Johnny's family. It's been recorded that the Fisher folk regarded the tall, slim bachelor with his tripod cameras and its black hood with deference that was reserved for the gentry, mixed with an amused torrents for the eccentric. Known as Johnny Walker, he was an educated man who is remembered for intervening in parish disputes and assisting local unlettered people with their legal matters. In old age, he was a stooped figure, usually wearing a tall stovepipe hat and narrow trousered black suit that was well darned and patched, and walking with his pet terrier, he would go to pick up kindling sticks on the shore. It seems true that John was a member of the Lancaster Photographic Society from 1894 up to 1902, when he was struck off the membership for subscription arrears. The family does seem to have fallen into financial hardship, and perhaps it was the expense that made it difficult for John to continue with photography rather than the loss of his mother. In 1929, at 62, the younger sister, Anne-Jane Ginny, died at Sunderland Point and is buried in Overton. John himself, he never married. He died in 1929, aged 80. And there's a note which reads, he was unable to look after himself and was moved into the Lancaster workhouse. In the formal death notices, it gives his last address as being Quorma Road, where what was then still known as the Lancaster workhouse was located. The, the older sister, the eldest Fanny, she died in 1941, also aged 80, and she was living with her younger sister Dora at Fernley on Ashton Road. Clearly a sad story at the tail end of their lives. Thank you so much for examining this snapshot of history with us today. We do hope you'll listen to some other episodes where we talk about everything from sunshine recorders to stereographs. <laughs>